Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. What's up, you guys? Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. Today, we have a very special guest hailing from Naples, Florida, and Mr. Ray Higdon. Ray's the best-selling author of Time, Money, Freedom, and helps leaders reach new levels of hope, we wealth, and impact through renewed perspectives. Specifically, in the last five years, he's helped his clients generate over 300,000 new customers. His podcast, Home Business Profits, has over 10 million downloads and gets about 160,000 downloads every month. His company, Higdon Group, has been recognized as an Inc. 5000 company and hosts annual events with as many as 5,000 people live and nearly 7,000 registered online. As a top keynote speaker, Ray has shared the stage with world-renowned thought leaders, including Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Brennan Burchard, Robert Kiyosaki, Bob Proctor, Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Magic Johnson, and many more. Ray, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for having me, and sorry to give you such a long bio. (laughs) No, I want to do it. It's fun. Uh, We'll share with our guests before somebody comes on. Of course, Ray and I had never met. until today. And of course, we had heard of each other. And we'll speak for about 30 minutes before we start recording. And every time I'm at, I always ask the guests, do you want to introduce yourself? You want me to introduce you? And it kind of goes both ways. This time, the bio was so well written. I thought it'd it'd be best for me to get to read it. And I was really excited about the stages you had shared. So I kind of wanted to start with that, Ray, if that's okay. There's some big names there. Did you get an opportunity to spend time with those individuals? Or is it more they got to speak at the same event you got to speak at? Uh, it, it varies, you know, some of them, uh, some of them I got to spend time with, um, you know, like with, um, you know, Tony, you know, my, my wife and I, we've, you know, shared the stage with him at a couple different events. Now I've never spoken at his actual event. Um, but I remember my, uh, my wife, she participated in a, in a charity thing and got to ask him some questions and stuff. And so, uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of varied. Um, but I yeah. think, the hope there uh, for those that aspire to be speakers is when I first started, I really, really sucked. And I mean, I was really bad. And so just, you know, just a testament of just, you know, keep going. 100%. Uh, fail forward. And there's no right. The thing I've noticed with speaking is you always, I always wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to leave a certain impact. And so I tried hard to be this this uh, version of myself that I don't think was natural. And I recognized the more natural I became and I stopped worrying about (laughs) the perception everyone had of me. And I just started being more of my authentic self. I did a much better job at speaking and not everyone loved it. And not everyone will love even the version you think everyone will love. Just be yourself. Yeah. um, You know, I had a, a, you know, speaking to that, I think one of the most or the, I'll say, I'll say it, the most pivotal part of my speaking career was it was probably 2000, maybe 10. 
And I was asked to go speak to a team up in uh, Myrtle Beach. And so uh, I went up there and I, and I also, you know, one thing that's not, you know, on my bio, but uh, six months ago, I, I gave my life to Christ and I, I didn't grow up in the church. You know, this is all a new thing, but I'm kind of an all in you know, kind of guy. But I believe that's one of the very, it's one of the very first times I can remember that I got a nudge, like a God nudge of, you know, just like an instruction that didn't, it, it just didn't come from me. And so I'm doing this, this training and I get a nudge, talk about your dad, which I had never talked about publicly. No one knew other than people very close to me. No one knew anything about that story. And so I, for whatever reason, because I didn't even, you know, I wasn't like a follower or anything back then. Uh, I obey and I talk about my dad. And so I share the story that I grew up in a very abusive, uh, very abusive home. And I went for 13 years without talking to my dad. And he had never met my uh, his grandsons, who at the time, I think, were like maybe 10 and nine or something like that. And um, I went I went to see him. And this was at a very bad time in my life. I had lost it all in real estate. This was in 2009. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I mean, every, everything was falling to pieces. I went through a divorce. I was depressed. Like every, everything was just in shambles. I was a million dollars in debt. And I go to this, I go to this event. And on day two, I realized that I have repair relationship with dad on a to-do list with no priority. And what happens with to-do list of no priority is, you know, you lose the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So on day two of that event, I call my dad, hadn't talked to him in 13 years, decide, you know, we decide I'm going to go up to Indiana and, and see him. And so I do, and we create um, a better relationship than we had because we didn't have anything. Never became perfect, still not perfect. Um, but I shared that story. But me coming back after that, I was a different person. It's like I had released something. And that's what actually led me to making millions of dollars with that next company that I, that I was a part of. And so wow. I don't know why, but I share that story in Myrtle Beach, first time ever. The guy that booked me, when I finished, he's walking down the aisle, just tears pouring down his face. It was just, it was crazy. And he said, I can't believe you just shared that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. Tomorrow, I fly out for his funeral. Whoa. And I was just like, so like, right. I mean, that's, that's the response. I'm like, Ugh. like I, it was so like <laughs> me, especially back then as I, I kind of beat myself up of that, man, I could have talked about this a week ago. Like what's wrong with me? Like, how come I, but after like some reflection, I realized one major thing. And it's kind of like what you were saying of, I used to always show up on stage and I wanted to be perfect and I wanted to be, you know, everything's together here, guys. Right. And, and I realized by me being willing to be vulnerable and share some of the ugly stuff, it gave people hope. And since sharing that story, I have hundreds of letters of people that reconnected with their mom or dad or sister, brother. There's three letters I have where they re they heard my story. They reconnected with their dad. They're all dads for some reason, but they reconnected with their dad. And then the dad died. So they wow. literally had, they had to hear my story in a specific time frame, act from it, or they would have lost that chance. And okay. so just, it's just like what you're saying is be yourself, be willing to share your stories. And hey, some people may not like that and that's okay. So I also think we have a pattern here that I want to point out. And that is once you came above that, um, that 
part of you that wasn't willing to try to mend things with your dad. And a lot of, we have a lot of different reasons for that with any type of a relationship that we have. I know this is a big deal. This is actually one of the top regrets of the dying uh, people that choose not to reconnect with friends or family and they carry this pain with them because it's really hindering yourself and it's a lim- it limits your growth. And you, you discovered that through this process, it was actually holding you back. And for those listening, it might not be you not talking to your dad. It could be a hundred other things, a thousand other things right. that are limiting your growth. Typically, I like the quote. One of my favorite quotes was from Julius Caesar and it says, the obstacle is the way. Yeah. So think of the thing that's your greatest pain, your greatest weakness, the, the thing you think about all the time that you need to do it, you need to do it, and you just haven't done it and you haven't made a plan to do it. That's probably the thing you need to remove and get out of your way so that you can go to accomplish your dreams like you obviously yeah. are on your journey of doing, right? So let's talk about some of the things you've accomplished. I know you're a renowned speaker, author, business owner, consultant, coach, podcast guest, uh, <laughs> father of four. Yep. You have two uh, 20 year olds and two, I think, uh, single digit kids. That's right. And you just like you said, you just accepted Christ and you're you're a faith based person. Uh, yep. Live in Florida vacation every year. You take international trips. You're living the dream. So for all of us listening who want to have a life like yours, you've mm-hmm. obviously been humble and uh, you, you choose humility. If you're not watching this and you're listening right behind Ray's um, desk, he has a poster that says gratitude which I love. And it says it's a noun. The secret to having it all is knowing you already do. Mm. And I have always had the quote, always be grateful for what you have and strive to have more because it allows you to have greater ability to serve others and take care of others as you become a better version of yourself. So why don't you share a little bit with our audience members of some of your accomplishments and what your goals, what your goals are now? Yeah. So, um, I work, I, I do work because this is a team building podcast, right? Uh, I work with a lot of teams. Um, I work with teams in insurance and in franchise and real estate and also network marketing. And so, you know, for example, I've worked with, um, you know, people in network marketing that have teams of 750,000 people. Um, it's, you know, and many, many leaders that have teams of over a hundred thousand. And so you get your own unique, you know, challenges with that sort of thing. Um, I, uh, you know, for me, these past, you know, about three years ago, I came to a realization that, you know, I'd accomplished really all the goals I'd kind of, you know, set out. Like if I set a goal, I would go and hit it. And, but I didn't feel any different about myself. And, you know, it generated uh, over $30 million online. And, you know, like you said in the bio, all these different things. Um, but there was still something missing. And I went on a, a three year journey of, trying to figure out what, what the heck was missing. And, um, and so I did a lot of different types of therapy. I did hypnosis. I had, you know, all kinds of different, different things. I did two years of one to three hours a day of meditation. Um, I learned from Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, he actually spoke at our last, uh, two events, uh, that we had and, uh, went to his meditation retreats. I, tamed the body. I mean, I did four hour meditations and, um, you know, so, but, well, all of that helped. I got over a lot of different addictions. I got over a lot of anger issues. I got all over um, a lot of other stuff. Um, but there was still something missing in, until I found God, and and that just filled a hole in my life that I I, I think only God you know could have could have filled. And so 
I go on this journey, you know, these last six months, and it's a, you know, it's a wild story of how that all happened because I didn't grow up in the church or anything. And, um, and now my, you know, my real, you know, mission is to just, um, continually, um, do my very best to, um, to get closer to God and, and, and help people and serve them as, as best I possibly can to be a beacon of light so that people, you know, want to be closer to God too. And so we live by, you know, by that example. Awesome. Very well said. I actually, it's interesting because I, I lived, um, as a, a Mormon missionary for two years from 19 to 21. And I did it full time in Brazil. I learned Portuguese, wow. came home, learned Spanish. And in that time, speaking to the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, I actually read that book when I was 22 years old, 23 wow. years old, right when I got back from Brazil as a young man, got my degree in business, uh, 23 and a half, got my real estate license and started selling real estate. And that's now morphed into I'm 41 and have a lot of verticals and I've made lots of money and I've ran a lot of businesses and I've, you know, I'm an influencer on the podcast, but nothing has brought more happiness to me than doing exactly what you just said. Independent of religion, religion is a way I think we can compartmentalize a belief system around a greater power. We can call it God. Some people will choose to look at nature as their deity. So, so anyone listening, like this isn't the goal of like converting somebody into Christianity. I think it's about becoming a better version of ourselves. Like that is what, in my mind, as a father, I want my kids to always be better than I am. I want to give them a world where they can become better as an influencer, speaker, leader, father, husband. I want to help those in my world become the best that they can possibly be. And I believe that that is what you represent. So I think you had almost already figured out how to be happy, but didn't recognize that you had figured it out, right? The obstacle is the way you've already created a platform to help people. It wasn't about the money. So the world we live in, like, I feel like there's like this idea that by having money, we're going to be happy. And that's not true. Happiness yeah. is not on the other side of money. It's about the impact. The money that you're generating, hopefully, is impacting people's lives or empowering people to live their best life. And in doing that and providing that system or that process, I believe it brings us the most amount of happiness. So you speak a lot to leadership and team building. You had mentioned in one of your books, I think there were like 10 core components that you help people focus on as leaders to, to grow their organization. We want to talk about that a little bit today. Yeah. So, um, in our, in our book, uh, time, money, freedom, we talk about the 10, 10 rules to radically reshape your life. And the one that we've gotten the most feedback on, and my wife and I wrote that, uh, the one we got the, and she, by the way, she's, um, uh, realtor here in Naples, Florida, does a lot of, of luxury. You know, we do luxury flips and I do more multifamily. Um, and I'm not a realtor, but I'm an investor. And um, the one that we've gotten, I think, you know, the most feedback from is similar to what you said earlier when you talk about the obstacle is the way, and that is pluck the weeds. And so you look at every area of your life and ask yourself, is that congruent with who I want to be? And you can ask that, and to make it simple, you can ask it in five categories, faith, family, finance, fitness, fun. In those five categories, uh, am, I, am I congruent with who I want to be? And if not, address it, right? And so, and one thing that I've learned uh, helping a lot of, a lot of um, you know, people with relationships and things like that is unexpressed resentment never diminishes. 
When you resent someone, when you resent someone in a relationship, whether it's your significant other or sister, brother, whatever, and you're not, you're not expressing it, you're just holding on to it. It never decreases. It always increases. It always is bad for you. It's always toxic. But it, like you said, the obstacle is the way is that is actually an indicator of this is what you got to do. You need to work on this thing right here. You either need to, maybe it is letting it go. Right. So sometimes pluck the weeds may be removing someone, you know, you know, from you hanging out with them or, or whatever. Sometimes it means development. And so for me, I'll give you one of the examples I used in the book is um, we were at a charity function and I'm uh, and actually funny enough, we have, we have the same charity tonight. Um, but we have we were at this charity function and my wife and I were trustees. I was on the board at the time and uh, we were at a charity auction and our neighbor comes around and says, hey, did you see the trip to Belize? And I was like, you know, no, you know, what, what's up with that? And she said, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's it's five days. It's a private island, five couples only. It's a private jet, private yacht, private chef. And my wife's like, Ooh, you know, like she's fired up. <laughs> she's super excited. And to me. That sounded, and this was about four years ago, that sounded like hell. That sounded like an absolute nightmare to me. And, and I recognize as a human, that should be exciting. All those different, you know, bullet points right. and, you know, this and that and this and that. But to me, it sounded like an absolute nightmare. And so I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I hope we don't win. This sounds terrible. And then, but on the way home, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I'm driving, I'm looking over at my wife. I'm like, What's wrong with me? Why, 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 like, like, why, why does that freak me out? Like, why, why did I not like that? And so I decided I'm going to pluck this weed. I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this thing. I'm going to figure this thing out. And so one of my buddies, um, a guy named Elliot Rowe, he's a, um, one of the world's top hypnotists. He, he works with, uh, he's a performance coach, but he works with the top MMA fighters. He works with, uh, a lot of the top 10 world poker players. And so I'm like, hey, man, can you help me figure this out? Why am I this way? And he actually helped me remember something that my, my mind had completely blocked. And that is, um, you know, in the third grade, I, you know, I mentioned I was in an you know, abusive childhood. In the third grade, my teacher knew something. I, I, I can only guess. She knew yeah. something off. And she had me start meeting with the guidance counselor. And, you know, and I don't know what that means. I'm third grade. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And the guidance counselor was asking me all these questions. And it was, you know, it was kind of nice because I never got to talk to anybody. Like I didn't have, I couldn't have friends over. I wasn't allowed to go to friend's house. If the sun was out, I was outside by myself. If the sun went down, I was in my room by myself, not talking to anyone ever. And, and so it was kind of nice asking me questions. And so I, you know, I start to share some of these stories. Well, one day I show up for our meeting and, uh, my, my dad's there and my stepmom's there and she proceeds to tell him everything I've ever told her because she thought they were just too outrageous and I needed more attention at home. And so, you know, that was a bad day. And, you know, that was a, a bad day, you know, physically, as you can imagine. But it was a really, a, the worst part about that day is that was the day I stopped trusting humans. Mm. So I never, from that day forward, I never trusted anybody. And so I learned the lesson that if I trust someone, they're just going to betray me. So in business and personal, I mean, even my own wife, I mean, at that point, we'd been married like nine years and I still had these little trust issues here and there. I wouldn't always verbalize. I wouldn't always say, but they were in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
what digging in and plucking that weed did for me is it actually made me realize that, hey, you know what? People may betray me. That would be their loss because I'm up for good. I'm here to change the world. And, you know, someone betrayed me. Hey, that's that's their prerogative. But I can't live my life in a way as if everyone's going to. And so the reason I was scared of Belize and I didn't like that idea is I'd be trapped. I would have to connect with people. I would have to talk to people. I couldn't just hide in my room. I couldn't just escape out. And so it was a, it was a it was like a, a, a flashlight was shined on you. If you hide out in that kind of vacation, that's very weird. And so long story short. We did get that charity auction. I did. What? You won? And it was. You you buy it. You bid on it. You you bid on it and buy it. And so uh, we did go in and it was awesome. And I completely eradicated my social anxiety. So no longer am I telling my wife, hey, can we leave early? Or, hey, do we have to go to that party? I actually eliminated what what my lifelong social anxiety was by plucking that weed, by digging into that and figuring that thing out. And so pluck the weed is look across your life. And is there any area where you're incongruent, right? For for a lot of years, I was uh, 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. And the reason is I was so starved as a kid, I would sit in, in bed at night and dream of eating McDonald's because that was my best experience. And And so when I got out of that situation, I would eat like a maniac because eating equals freedom to me. Mm-hmm. And since recognizing that and understanding that and plucking that weed, you know, I've, I, I go up and down a little bit, but nothing like I used to. I love the way you're able to share these stories and give real life examples. Because a lot of times people will talk about, oh, I had to overcome some challenges, but then they don't really unpeel the onion of what were those challenges, what do they look like? And that's all a of us have a fear of connection. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are scared to self be self-aware and self-actualize because it hurts. It's painful to go yeah. look for the weeds to pick. It's easy to say, I'll pick the weeds. And a lot of us listening to podcasts like this, like, oh, I'll pick all the weeds. I can do it. It's hard. It's yes. hard to look in the mirror and say, where do I need to improve? Because all of us have areas. But if you identify it and you have the alpha personality um, and you're a high D on the disc assessment, you want to take over the world. Once you've identified a weed, you're no longer going to be able to go without plucking that weed. You're going to know it's there. Now you're going to have to do something about it. And I think people don't want to have to know about it or recognize it. So they kept, they, they try not to process it. So you made a really good um, observation that you recognize, I didn't want to go on this incredible trip. Everyone else would want to go on it. But then you took the next step of saying, why don't I want to go? Exactly. Where most of us recognize, oh, that's kind of cute behavior. That's a silly behavior. I don't know why I'm that way. And then they just leave it. Like, I don't want to unpack it. And you've done a lot of work on yourself to mention, you know, earlier one to three hours a day of meditation. I think yeah. the most I've ever done is probably 15 minutes a day for a yeah. long period, of time. but an hour to three hours, man, you've got time to dig in and process. And I think that's great to be able to quiet our minds and our souls and be able to reflect. I think I had heard Harvard business did a review of like the top 1000 CEOs in the country. And they wanted to find one word that could identify, um, like the most common attribute across all of these CEOs. And the, what they came out of the study was uh, self-awareness. Mm. That was the one main attribute that they could identify pretty much was um, inherent in all of these CEOs. And we think about ourselves as leaders, the w- ones that are self-aware, you're going to stand out. Um, if you're not self-aware, you're going to have a lot of limiting beliefs. You're going to have a lot of challenges and you're not going to be the best version of yourself for the people in your world. Yeah, a, l- a lot of blind sides, right? I mean, there's, I, I mean, I remember... 
when I, the first time I shared that story, just again, talking about, you know, like, you know, not trying to play a role or whatever, but the first time I shared that story, it actually broke my heart. I had a client come up to me and he says, man, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, honestly, I just didn't think you liked me. And I thought mm-hmm. I did like him, but how many people over the decades thought because I was so short with them, because I was so scared of connection, because my, my analysis, my uh, equation of, well, connection equals betrayal. So let's just not connect. And so I would keep everything at the surface. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, great. Hey, hope the kids <laughs> okay, I got to go. Like, I, w- I wouldn't have any deep conversations right. with anybody. And right. you know, teach you business. If you ask me business or marketing or sales, then sure, let's talk. But I would never go deep with you because there was a piece of me that said, well, deepness equals betrayal. Don't do it. Don't go there. And, and that's why some, a lot of speakers struggle with actually telling their story powerfully is they're actually afraid of that connection because they've drawn similar uh, connections. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, all of us have stories. You know, I, I remember kindergarten, you know, I didn't have any friends in my kindergarten class. I didn't know anyone. I remember going up to this girl and saying, Hey, will you be my friend? Thinking, of course, she's going to say yes, because I'm sure she went there that day worried she wasn't going to make friends. And she said, no. Like, no, I won't be your friend. And it was scary the first time. Like, hey, will you be my friend? Meaning like, hey, let's go hang out. Yeah. Let's play a game, whatever. Yeah. And I, I remember that. I mean, dude, I'm 41. I remember in kindergarten, this person saying no and having that feeling of like betrayal. Like, what? Uh, why would they say no to me? Yeah. And over the course of my life, I, I've cared a lot, just like anyone of like looking a certain way or being accepted in a certain way. And I have found a lot of peace in just ex- accepting who I am as, as a person and doing my best to be my best self and understanding that not everyone's going to like my best self. And it's yeah. been interesting, the dichotomy of success. I find that the people close to you, there are people close to you that will be jealous of your success. They're yeah. happy for you outwardly, but inwardly they're jealous because your success represents their failure. And so you'll have this feeling that people like don't like you or are jealous of you or will even talk bad about you. And I used to think it was because I had doing, I was doing something wrong. And in fact, it was the opposite. I was doing everything right. And it was casting a light on their inefficiencies or um, weaknesses or lack of effort in, in certain areas. And so as a leader for those listening, and I think I'd love to hear your opinion on that, Ray. I think it's one of the biggest struggles of being a leader when you're at the top is people um, talk bad about you, talk negative about you, think that you should do things a different way. And a lot of times it's not, it's not the fact that you're doing something wrong. It's oftentimes you're doing something right and people are jealous of your success. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, man, this is uh, depending on how deep we want to go here, but it's, it's the reason this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, right? Yeah. How come all of a sudden they were aware that they were naked? Well, it's because they no longer had God's acceptance. So ever since then, we've been seeking acceptance. We've been seeking approval. And and some try that with significance, status, net worth, um, you know, whatever, right, whatever you want to call it, right? Beauty, right? Um, and so you know, we try, we try to gain this thing, you know, through these other things. And when we don't get it, we're like, well, what the heck? And so um, you just got to be careful of what what you're seeking acceptance through. And, you know, are you on your purpose? Do you know that what you're doing is making a difference? And and are you trying your best? Are you are you showing up? Um, You know, like I have I have three mantras that that I have I've had for years, actually. Um, 
Number one, help the person you used to be. Well, for me to help the person I used to be, I have to be willing to share vulnerable stories and I have to think like I used to think. I have, I have to not all of a sudden have arrived and everything's, you know, perfect. I have to think about who did I used to be? What did I need, used to need to hear? Like what would have helped me back then? Number two mantra is, uh, and not necessarily in order, but number two is we have to be as brave as the people who need us. So there are things that you've overcome. There are things that I've overcome that our story may be the thing that gives them hope. The, the thing that, that makes them believe that, hey, maybe it's possible for me not to be a knucklehead or maybe it's possible mm-hmm. for me not to be a loser. And, you know, and, and, you know, we have to be, we have to be brave. And like you said, man, it's so much easier to make sales calls than dig into yourself. I mean, I, when I was, 19, I was making 450 calls a day selling long distance, which some people don't even know what that is anymore. But, um, you That's know, amazing. Like, literally 30% of my calls, I was cursed out because people hated my, they hated those kind of calls. Yeah. And, and so, um, that's so much easier than digging into why am 100%. I this way? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, the third, the third mantra is, um, let me never be too busy helping strangers to neglect my own. Mm. And I needed that because here I would go and I'd speak at an event of 26,000 people or 10,000 people or, or whatever, but I would come home and not know how to be a good mentor to my kids. I just said, I didn't have a good role model. I didn't, I, you know, and I, I don't like to use that as an excuse, but I, I didn't, I just didn't have a good authority, you know, kind well, of it's the same as but, making the calls. Speaking at the event was making your, 450 yeah. long distance calls. That's right. That's right. That's that. That's easy. I mean, that's easy. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's constantly where, where in my life and I, am I needed to up level and, uh, and all along those ways, as long as you're striving for more, you're going to get haters. And in fact, they're a, they're a, they're a test for you. You're growing. If you're getting haters, if you are not getting haters, you are not growing. You're staying. I have, I have a quote that my team teases me about because I said it live, totally just off the cuff. And it was, if you're not ruffling feathers, you're not playing with enough chickens. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's um, like, like, for example, when I, you know, when I'm sharing my journey about faith, like I was, I was really tempted to do it in a little group. Right. And that's just gather around and, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not called to do that. So I do it very publicly. I do it right on Instagram. I do it right on Facebook and my Facebook page. And, and so, um, it, it's something that you have, you, if you're getting hate, if you're getting people making fun of you, then you are growing. And if you are not, you are not growing. So it's not, you need to look for that. Um, that evidence of am I growing not by what you think, but by what kind of reception are you getting? And and if it's all love, then you're playing at your family reunion. You're 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 playing for the little recital. You're speaking to the little crowd that already knows you. You need to get out there and get some of that hatred. <laughs> I love it. Well, this has been a, the awesome episode. We could keep going for hours. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of our audience members are going to love this content and we appreciate you coming on and yeah. being so humble and sharing with us. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? How do they buy your book? How do we support you? Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, our latest book, uh, 
that you know would cross like if you're in whether you're in real estate or insurance or or really anything and you're wanting to change your life and and kind of fall under that principle of of being congruent in all areas of your life uh it's called time money freedom uh, it was published by hay house uh so it was maybe maybe two years ago and uh it's you know you can get it on amazon you can get it at barnes and noble you can get it at most most places and um you know and if you're looking for help with, you know, with, if you're wanting to get some help from, you know, in different areas of your life, um, you know, you can shoot us an email, VIP at higdengroup.com. And, uh, we post a lot of content. Um, a lot of people like following us on Instagram. It's just at Ray Higdon. All right. Perfect. And we'd also like anyone out there that has gotten a lot of value out of this episode or any other past episodes, please go out on the platform that you're listening to this podcast on. Give us a five-star review and give a shout out to Ray. Let everyone know um, the meaning behind these interviews and how it's helped change your business, how it's helped change your life. And that's our intention. And I know we're both podcast hosts as well. We can monetize the podcast, but that's not why we launched the podcast. And that's not what keeps us coming back. It's being able to hear the stories, like you mentioned, get the letters, get the emails, get the comments um, about how a, one little story literally changed somebody's life. And like you talked about the third, you know, back in the third grade, going to that guidance counselor, you talked about how that, you know, has shaped your whole life of not trusting. That's a scary story to have to share. I would invite those leaders out there that have listened to these podcasts to be more vulnerable, be more of a real person in front of the people that follow you. And you'll be scared that it's going to cause people to realize who you really are. And you feel like maybe you're a fraud if you tell them that story or show that weakness, but the exact opposite will happen. And if somebody chooses to leave your world because of your vulnerability, you don't want them in your world anyways. Amen. And I'd I'd like to end on that. Any other comments, Ray? No, I mean, I think it was beautifully said. And, um, and you're going to give a lot of people hope, you know, when you're sharing what you've actually overcome and what you survived and uh, the challenges you've had, that's what gives a lot of people hope. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on today. Had a yeah. great conversation with you. We definitely will want to have you back and maybe we'll even see if we can get, get you lined up for next year's 2024 Team Building Summit. You'd be an awesome speaker. Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Excellent. Thank you. 